So welcome to the first episode of the IPS Research Series podcast, part of the IPS Research Group based at CEU in Vienna. My name is David Tilt. I'm an SJD candidate in international business law here. And on today's episode, we have with our guest, Julia Priora. Julia is assistant professor at Nova Law School in Lisbon, and she's also a CEU alumna. She received her PhD uh, from CEU in 2019, summa cum laude, and she also won CEU's Best Dissertation Award for her thesis. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about Julia's research on copyright and redistribution, how she came into this kind of area of research, and what is next for Julia after today's event with the same title, which is Redistribution and Copyright. So firstly, thank you to Julia for joining us here in person. How are you enjoying Vienna so far? Uh, that's great. Thank you so much for having me. And I think I feel very honored to be the first guest of this IPS research series of podcasts. And I definitely look forward to listening to next episodes while cooking at home. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us in person. How are you getting back to in-person events? Is that kind of nice to be getting back to seeing people Absolutely. in Absolutely. person? It feels really great. And I think that's something that while exploiting also the potential of hybrid events and online uh, events and teaching, then it's always a joy to come back and see each other. And also being back at CEU where you it's got your PhD emotional. from. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. We are really grateful um, for you joining us today and especially to present your recent work on copyright law because in 2019 you published a paper based on your thesis research with the title Catching Sight of a Glimmer of Light, Fair Remuneration and the Emerging Distributive Rationale in the Reform of EU Copyright Law. Um, so what is, as an overall kind of summary, what are the main part of your argument in the paper? Well, I guess my main point in that paper was that the ideas of distribution as a policy concept and the idea of copyright as a legal regime are not so far apart at the end. And my intuition was that, uh, well, behind the idea of distribution of resources, in particular of critical resources in society like money and information, could actually lie a way out of the complex and I think to some extent outdated nature of our copyright laws. And I think this hypothesis uh, proved quite promising, at least to me, uh, while working on the paper and engaging with the study and the analysis of the evolving copyright rules in the European Union. And so how did you kind of get into this area of research? Is it a continuation or is it something new kind of from your other research? Well, I remember working on my chapter number three of the PhD dissertation and analyzing the functions of copyright law, uh, studying EU copyright rules and comparing with other legal regimes. Uh, and I remember thinking, well, these functions of copyright are not as one directional as I thought they were. Uh, and I guess realizing that copyright rules do not only aim at giving something to right holders, but also at allocating resources and something else to other groups in society. I'm thinking of students, educators, cultural institutions, uh, newspapers, their readers. That realizing of multidirectional functions was really a mind opener. And that's what 
get got me started actually into this line of research. And because in your article you talk about the role of the Court of Justice and this autonomous interpretation of uh, this more distributive sense. And so as a more kind of direct question, do you think that copyright is leading um, towards these fair or equitable results when it comes to distribution? Do you think it's uh, an effective path? Well, I think it's uh, it's hard to say in the sense that, as I was mentioning, copyright is very complex, right? It's multifaceted in its in its own behavior in society. But um, I I would say I would say to some extent uh, the the matching of the idea of distribution and copyright really tackles what you were referring to uh, as effectiveness of the rules, right? So we have um, definitely an old idea of distribution in copyright, a quite a consolidated one, which is fair remuneration. And that's something that I would say it's working probably quite well already. Or um, if we look at most uh, recent development at EU level, definitely it's something we are improving with the new rules on copyright contract law, for example. But I still think that something is missing uh, and something is still ineffective when it comes to distribution of resource of copyright related resources in society, which is more broadly intended information and culture and knowledge. So that's probably where we have more work to do, let's say. That's where probably I also have more to research on in the future. Well, I mean, coming to our next question of future work. So where do you see kind of this going if you had no time or budgetary restraints in terms of your research what is kind of the the next thing you would look at or focus on that's a big that's question trilly. yeah it's a big <laughs> question but that's thrilling because that's also what motivates me to keep up with with work especially on copyright law right so i think one of before before answering your question uh, in the sense of what I want to research next, I would actually spend a word on what I would do with what I've done already, right? Where I would bring my research or specifically this article that we are discussing and we will be discussing later today uh, in the seminar uh, without any constraints, as you said, so no time and no budget constraints at all. I think I would be very happy to bring my research to national courtrooms, and why not maybe also to the Court of Justice of the EU in Luxembourg, <laughs> I mean, if no constraints apply. Uh, because I think on these topics, it's really crucial to, to focus on judicial interpretation as a way to not only abide by the rules, definitely, but also effectively achieve the objectives of the law, right? And that's, I think, the hardest job. And I think probably mm, it's our, our contribution and our job to make our research and our suggestions really viable and effective also to national or, or supranational judges. And that's something that interests me a lot. And on next research lines that I, I have for myself and on my desk, I, I'm personally very interested to, mm, to explore the overlap between intellectual property and also copyright, obviously, uh, and uh, the cities of the future. So I, I'm trying to figure out, but that sounds really a big idea. I, I think it's too early to, to say, uh, what is the role of IP and copyright in urban contexts and in the cities of the future, since that's 
also something that is developing on a multidisciplinary basis. And, and what I've just done and finished as a, as a line of research now is definitely exploring the, the copyright side of education. So how can these two words of copyright and education help each other? I think that's super interesting. And you really see it in the article of balancing between these questions of supernatural, super, it's not supernatural, supranational issues, legal issues where the Court of Justice is dealing with it, but also the reality that it's on a really national level, it's a really grounded context that these issues are affecting people. And I think that's super interesting as like a future path of research, really taking it to the, those grounded contexts. Absolutely. And even uh, even closer to the stakeholders, right? So maybe thinking national sometimes may not be enough because it's it's still too broad. So that's why probably the entry point of cities is giving me a little bit of a thrill <laughs> of what I, I can find there uh, because it's really closer to artists, closer to industry, closer to end users. So let's see. <laughs> I think there really is a lot of potential in intellectual property, specifically also copyright, of these really localized, super contextual environments like a city where there are the stakeholders, there's these legal issues, but they're really having like a physical space and they're operating in that physical context. And kind of as a more general writing question, how was the process of writing this? Have you seen a shift as kind of from being a PhD student through postdocs to now kind of a professor? Have you seen your writing process change? How was producing this as like a, a recent piece of work? It was very nice for me to have the chance uh, to reread my work now that you invited me to present it. Um, I think you can notice how you change not only in your writing, but also in your thinking. And that's really something that I would encourage everyone to do. Uh, after publishing a paper that probably also means a lot because you were writing it during your PhD. Then after a couple of years reading back that article really gives you uh, a lot of context and a lot of, of meaning and purpose. And that's very nice. I, I remember struggling a lot with that article because I really felt it needed, um, it needed to be systematically uh, very sound because I had so much information to put together. Um, so I would say that was the first article where I really felt the pressure of academic publishing. <laughs> and I think uh, the, the leading uh, the discussion and, and also having conversation with peers back, uh, back in 2019 during my PhD helped a lot. So that these are the things that I remember most even now while reading that piece of work again. I think rereading anything that you've published can always be a very humbling experience. So it's great that you've revisited it and kind of still have a positive and really see kind of the process of, it, of what it takes to put together Absolutely. these pieces of kind of rigorous academic work and that that still stands out even when you revisit it. Um, but to kind of come to the end, I guess, we, have, we thought we could end our podcasts with a series of more rapid fire questions so we would get to know a bit more about you. Um, beyond just copyright work. Um, so would you be ready for some quicker questions? Yes, yes, I'm ready. <laughs> so what's the last piece of IP or IT law research that you've read and what did you learn from it? Uh, the last 
contribution I read um, on IP law was actually one of the readings I assigned to my students uh, and is a piece by Phoebe Lee on IP and sustainable development. And I think what I learned from it um, is that the doctrinal debate on how we can rethink IP for humanity and for sustainability is really mature. So, and I hope this will, this will be a piece of information that will stir up the debate also in my classroom next session of IP law. <laughs> I think that's, and that kind of evolution as a scholar going from PhD to professor of seeing your own research impacted by teaching yeah. I think that can be overlooked sometimes that it's a really it can be a really kind of transforming aspect yeah. to being a researcher although the question is always to what extent you feel comfortable in suggesting your own piece of research to your own students because it's it's really like if we keep it on a humble side then I, I always when when putting together my syllabus I have so many scholars in mind that sometimes I, I just add as optional reading some of my own research but that's that's very interesting that's uh, one of the fascinating side probably of the teaching experience and also with teaching so what is your favorite case or specific part to teach well, if we if we talk about cases and in particular IP case law, I would definitely go for Rankoff uh, because I I actually had already twice the experience of discussing this case uh, at the Court of Justice of the EU, which is a copyright case, together with my students. And I think the fa the facts of the case, the factual background, is something that uh, easily relate to students, so it can be easily grasped and, and relate to, because it's mostly in a, an educational setting. And both times I, I experienced that the discussion really was heated, both on the concept of communication to the public, which I think the case really conveys and delivered in a very clear-cut way, but also on the opportunity to have free or permitted uses on education. So that double potential of the case really convinced me, and I think I will keep it in, in my reading list for, for next IP course. Well, I think that links to our next question as well, of with all of these tensions and kind of these difficult uh, contexts, what do you find to be the biggest challenge when doing research in IP law? Mm. Well, I think it's... Uh, my answer is also informed by current events. So I would say that the biggest challenge as of today um, is probably staying focused, right? So really sitting at the desk and, and don't ask too much to ourselves in, in case we feel distracted by, by other news. But I think this is more of a specific declination or understanding because I'm feeling myself sometimes struggling not only to remind myself that it's okay if I don't produce, read, or write as much as I, I wish uh, during the day. But uh, I think I'm also struggling sometimes to remember that IP is not just a legal discipline, but rather it has its own potential also on a societal level. So what can we really do with IP law? It's something that sounds very nice as a question, but can be very challenging, especially for researchers. So I would say that's a big a big challenge but a needed one and that really goes back to when you're talking about future research in the city that there are stakeholders there are people who are meaningfully interacting with this area of law it's not 
especially as a researcher, it's not just an abstract legal issue. It impacts people in a really real way. Exactly. And I think these stakeholders are somehow, I imagine them, but I, I also see them really willing and waiting for suggestions on how to interpret the law, how to improve the law, and how to... Um, to solve problems that are really everyday problems for them, especially for the industry sector or for for individual stakeholders in, in IP sectors. And you see that kind of with authors, musicians, and as a more creative question, so what is maybe a current book that you're reading for work and one that you're reading maybe for in a more leisurely sense? Okay, for, for work, I, I'm currently enjoying the reading of an edited volume which is entitled uh, Diversity in Intellectual Property and is edited by, uh, actually co-edited by uh, Irene Calvoli and uh, Srividya Raghavan. And it's, it's an edited volume that dates back, if I remember correct, in 2015, but it's so timely and so nicely written. It's really giving me good ideas and good time reading it. For leisure, well, I'm carrying right now in my back uh, a novel by Valérie Perren, which is entitled Fresh Water for Flowers, but I just started it yesterday, so it's too soon for, for me to say whether I suggest it or not, I recommend it or not. Those travel essentials for international scholarly travel. Exactly. What about um, in terms of like a song, something that says, if you were to pick one, something that says something about you as an IP law scholar maybe as a like a researcher or in terms of like teaching that's a very nice question but very difficult to to pick uh, one song I, I think i would go for uh, a song that is very dear to me which is todo cambia by mercedes sosa uh, but i don't know if this song actually describes me well as a ip researcher or teacher that's something you probably need to ask my students and peers <laughs> But uh, definitely it's a song I relate to very often while working on my research and preparing for my classes. And I think it's really the concept of todo cambia, so everything changes. Um, that reminds me, well, we are reading, discussing, trying to improve something on IP law, but the world is constantly changing. So it's really important, as Mercedes Sosa probably tries to, to remember uh, to us that we focus and we try to decide what we want to hold tight and what we want to move in this change. So that's something that, yeah, I think really reminds me of what I want to do with IP law now and in the future. Well, I think you've brought our podcast to an end in a, on a really beautiful note, which is an unexpected conclusion for a podcast. Um, but thank you so much for joining us today, Julia. We have loved hearing about the writing process, how you go from an initial research idea to this completed piece of work and as and the larger context that your work is kind of grounded in and also that kind of pivotal period of change where you're kind of leaving the PhD, progressing as an academic and seeing and reflecting on that kind of journey. So we're very much looking forward to hearing your talk later. And again, thank you to everyone joining online who listens to the podcast and watches our videos. And we will be back next time with another episode of our IPS Research Series podcast. And we will see you then. Thank you very much.